some of these areas in belief and strength and revival, ministering to the needs of others, which includes uh, spiritual warfare. I'm hoping tonight to be able to finish this up. I'm not sure, but uh, I have a lot. A lot of what I'm doing is giving you breaking down Scripture to show you that it is for us that we are the winners and that we do have power over the kingdom of darkness. Through the name of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, through the Word of God, through the rhema, the spoken Word of God, we have all that we need to be able to win any battle that comes against us. Anything that would come against us, we have it. But we just have to understand it's all in this book. It's all here, and we've got to believe what this book's saying. And we have been ministering the last few Wednesdays uh, in, in these areas, again, of ministering to the needs of people and spiritual warfare. You've heard me, and I'm going to repeat some of the uh, things that I have taught in the past tonight, especially just at the beginning. Uh, and we are going to start with what are the gates of hell. Now, you may be seated. I am going to do a lot of Scripture, and we know that you have been standing, and you stand out of the honor, uh, honoring the Word of God, but we're going to have so much tonight that uh, God knows your heart. What are the gates of hell? Now, with God, with God, there are some areas here that uh, I've, I've studied into recently that uh, I had never really gotten into, and uh, I'm just a little more uh, in-depth than I've been in the past. But with God, walls equal salvation. Walls equal salvation. A lot of times we talk about building walls uh, to keep people out, keep things out, um, and sometimes to keep God out. But not necessarily, not, with the, not in the economy of God. It can go the other way as well. So walls equal salvation and gates, gates equal praise. Now I want you to look at Isaiah 60 and 18. Isaiah 60 and 18. I'm sorry. I, I want to give you, uh, before you do that, I think I had Matthew up there first, correct? Bring Matthew up. We're going to just, I know you're familiar with this, and I'm familiar as well, but we're going to go over it, and this is the Amplified. And I tell you, you are Peter, Greek, Petros, which means a large piece of rock. And on this rock, Greek, different word, Petra, a huge rock-like Gibraltar, I will build my church. Notice this. Two different words. Peter means Petros, or a large piece of rock. But what the church is built on is a rock like the Rock of Gibraltar. Okay, that kind of uh, clarifies it. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, the powers of the infernal region, shall not overpower it or be strong to its detriment to hold out against it. You see that? That's good, isn't it? So it lets you know exactly, uh, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now look at Isaiah 60 and verse 18. Isaiah 60 and verse 18. Well, put it up there, whether you have it or not. Put it up there. I didn't, maybe I didn't give you that. I'll just forget it. I'll read it. I'll just read it. I get so much scripture, sometimes I forget that I don't put it on one piece of paper so they can have it. And uh, 60 and verse 18. And I'm going to read it out of the, out of the Amplified. Um, 60 and verse 18. Okay, well, I'm going to do it here anyway. Violence shall no more be heard in your land, devastation or destruction within your borders. But ye shall call your walls, look at this, salvation, and your gates shall be called praise. 
So I didn't just come up with that. That's the Word of God. So the walls are salvation and the gates are praise. With Satan, with Satan, walls are fear with its resultant bondage. And gates with Satan are confession of doubt and unbelief. Now, do you understand that? So Satan has gates. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the gates and the walls of heaven. And his gates are confession of doubt and unbelief. When he said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, he was saying simply this, doubt and unbelief are not going to prevail against the true church. Against the true church. The true church will come with faith. The true church will come with belief. The true church will come knowing that nothing is impossible with Jesus Christ. But you see, it doesn't come automatically. We keep getting set back by our own doubts, our own belief, our own our unbelief, our own fears, our own failures, our, our, our condemnation, all of these things that we get. Why do preachers get up and preach saying, stay away from this, don't do this? Why do we do this when it irritates us so much? When it says, what harm can this one little thing do? When we realize that these one, this one little thing can become a weight that makes you fall into fear that brings you into condemnation and stops you from prevailing against the gates of hell. That's what stops us. That's why we have to have some authority over us and we need to listen to that authority. It's just that simple. Gate also represents the seat of authority. What is behind Satan's gates and inside his walls? What's in there? What's in his fortifications? Fortifications are intended to defend more than to than just uh, just you know be there or defend territory. What could be so important to Satan? What is he defending? What is Satan trying to defend? Second Timothy two twenty six. Second Timothy two twenty six, and that they may come to their senses and escape out of the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him, henceforth to do his God's will. If he can hold a captive in captivity, then that stops that person from doing God's will. Why does Satan want to take people to hell? It's, not, it's more than just wanting to take people to hell. He wants to hold people captive so that those people are not capable or not unable to do God's will. If an individual, one of you, are held captive and stopped from doing God's will, that could affect hundreds of people. So if he can hold you captive, keep you in doubt, keep you in fear, keep you in unbelief, keep you in sin, then he's affecting hundreds of people. And that's what he's defending. I, I made this statement last week. Uh, T.W. Barnes said this. He said, the sinner can't even make a decision to be saved until he is set free. A man has to be set free to even be saved. You see, it's more than just standing back there in a pew and grabbing the back of the, uh, of the pew in front of you, holding yourself from coming to the altar. You have to be set free from yourself, from the doubts, and from the influence of the devil for you to make it down here to repent. You know, you need, if, you could see, if you could see what's going on on any given Sunday night, 
in this place. If God could ever open your eyes for you to see the, the people, the sinners that are in this place. We, you know, it's not even, it's not even uh, politically correct to call people sinners anymore, but I'm not politically correct, so they're still sinners. So, so it's, you know, if you could see what's happening, you would see Satan, with one of his demons, with a big chain wrapped around that person. And he's standing there, and that person is, is pulling against that chain. For that individual, that's why it's so important for the church to be in prayer. That's why it's so important for us to be in the spirit, if you please. You don't necessarily have to go up to that person and do anything. We need to break the chains that's holding that person back from truly coming down here and repenting. So that person has to be set free in order for him to even make it down here to be saved. So that's, that's, that's vital. And Luke 4, 18. It's Luke 4, 18. Let's read it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. That's why Jesus came. Then he closed the book and he handed it to the, to the priest and he said, now it's up to you. And he handed it to the church, and it's up to us now to do exactly what it said here. And you'll see that more and more as we go through here. So Jesus speaks of ministering to the captives that are bound. In the Greek, captive simply means prisoner of war. It's a prisoner of war. That warfare that is going out all the time in the world. People that are held captive. I, I look out across this, and I can see people that God could use if they could ever get past the captivity of their mind. They could ever get past that captivity, what God could do in their lives. So then how? How do we prevail against the gates of hell? In Matthew 16, verse 19, this is very familiar to us. We know it, but we're going to read this in the Amplified. Uh, Matthew 16, verse 19. I know that I wrote that down. You just can't read my writing. Uh, I'm going to get me one of those little things down here so I can do it myself. Well, I'll, I'll, if you, you can't get it, I'll read it myself. Oh, you got it? Okay. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind. Look at this. For those of you who go around binding and loosening things, look at this. Whatever you bind, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already bound in heaven. You cannot bind something that's not already been bound. And whatever you loose, declare lawful on earth, must be what is already loosed in heaven. Now, that gives us a great deal of latitude, a lot of room. Because what we know is bound in this, we have the authority to, and again I'll be coming back to that, speak it out and bind it because this book has already bound it. Whatever we loose, if this book has loosed it, we have the authority to loose it. But you can't go around and doing it uh, if it's not already been done in heaven. You'll do nothing but be frustrated. You can't pick up the catalog and say, I loosen this thing for me. You can't go to the, you know, to the, to the, to the hunting catalog and say, I loosen that new 300 Winchester Magnum uh, Model 70 Winchester. Notice that how I had that right there? That was, came right from God. Did you notice that? Yeah, I, I, can, I can loose that. It's not going to work because God didn't loosen that. I have to do that myself. 
So it's, it's vital to understand that. So binding and loosing. To bind something means to declare improper and unlawful. You saw that. To forbid, to be done, to limit, to tie, to put in bonds. To lose something is to permit to be done. To set at liberty, pronounce non-binding. To nullify, dissolve, or melt. In Matthew 12, 28 and 29, you must first bind the strong man before you can spoil his house. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out the demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you before you expected it. Or how can a person go into a strong man's house and carry off his goods, the entire equipment of his house, without first binding the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. A lot of you go into prayer and a lot of warfare and you're wanting to take care of the strong man and you bind him so you can, pl- you can plunder his house and get all those souls that he's holding captive. But the problem is that you have not effectively bound the strong man. What? Can we do? Now, I realize, I'll be the first one to say this, you can lose somebody from the holds of Satan, they can come down here, and that dude, can, that demon can run out that back door, but the problem is, is he'll stand right there, and this person a lot of times goes right back to him. But you can also loosen the hold that person has. You have to let that person know you don't need to go back to something that you're familiar with. You don't have to go back and be placed in the clutches of the same demon. You are free from that. He no longer has a hold on you. You have to let them know that there is one that is greater than the spirit that has been held them in captivity. We can be held in captivity by the power of the Holy Ghost that will nullify everything that that demon has to offer. Praise God. Now, Isaiah 49, 24 through 26. The promise of victory and revival through the defeat of the strong man. Get it up there. Oh, hallelujah. I wouldn't have her job for anything. So, we'll come back to that. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Faith is the substance or the title deed of things hoped for. It's the deed of ownership or dominion. Now notice this. This is what faith is. It is the substance or the title deed of things that are hoped for. A deed of ownership or dominion. So faith gives us a title deed. We are owners by faith of the promises that God has placed in His book. We are ownership. We have title deed to that. But before we can do that, we have to have the victory that is brought on through binding a strong man. Have you got Isaiah 49 yet? 24 through 26. There we go. Shall the prey be taken from the mighty, or the lawful captives of the just be delivered? For thus saith the Lord, even the captives of the mighty will be taken away, and the prey of the terrible will be delivered. For I will contend with him who contends with you. Look at this. I will contend with him who contends with you, and I will give safety to your children and ease them, and I will make those who oppress you consume themselves in mutually destructive wars. Thus eating their own flesh, they will be drunk with their own blood, as with sweet wine, and all flesh will know with a knowledge grounded in personal experience that I, the Lord, am your Savior. What a one the Scripture. And your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Look at that. Look at that. So 
when we bind it, there's a promise of victory when we get that strong man bound. And we do that by faith, believing that we have the right to do it. This is what this is all about. A lot of this you may know, but we somehow have to get an order to it in our minds. I have to get this in order to, in order for me to do this. We look at each other and we think, you know, oh, well, that's all good. I feel good while I'm in church about this. But it's not in church that you need it. You need it when you go out there. You need it when you go to your homes. You need it when you go to your job. You need it when you're dealing with the world out there. You need it when in the dark times of the night you feel the enemy coming against you and you have to let him know you are bound in the name of Jesus because you've already been bound in heaven. I'm going to bind you right here. You have no business coming against me. No business. Faith comes by hearing rhema, word of God. Sword of the Spirit is the rhema of God. The sword of the Spirit. What is the sword of the Spirit? It's the word of God. It is the rhema of God. The sword, what does it do? You can look. We're not going to go there, but Revelations 1.16 tells you that the sword proceeds out of his mouth. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, the rhema, proceeds out of His mouth. Sword is the spoken Word of God. Matthew 8, verse 16. Matthew 8, verse 16. No, you didn't have that one. I, I took it away. Sorry, I got it right here. When even, now this is King James Version. When the even was come, they brought unto Him many that were possessed with devils, and He cast out the spirits with His Word, and healed all that were sick. He cast out the devils with His Word. You can say, I bind you and cast you out in Jesus' name till you are blue in the face. There's a reason some devils don't come out, and I'm going to bring you to that, I hope, at the end of all this. But the first and foremost is you can't do it out of rote. When I say out of rote, it just means you've heard others do it, you've seen others do it, and you just try to emulate them. You've got to believe it in your heart. You've got to believe and know that what you are speaking is what God has ordained, and you have the right because you have bound the strong man's influence in your own life. The strong man loves to get behind you and tell you while you're trying to pray for someone. You have no business doing this. Do you remember what you said, what you did yesterday? Do you remember what you did right before service? And here you are praying for someone else. What right do you have? Do you realize he knows this person is a captive? He doesn't want you to set that person free. He doesn't want you to storm the gates of hell. You have to get it clear in your mind. That is why it is absolutely, hear me, if you don't get anything else tonight, hear this. It is absolutely vital for your gates to be in order. What are your gates? Your gates of praise. That's why you come into this church and whether you're able to run the aisles or whether you're able to lift a hand, you do something to praise God because God may be wanting to use you for that individual that's standing right next to you to set him free from the captivity of the, of the devil. So your praise has to be in order. Your gates have to be in order in order to storm Satan's gates. Warfare is accomplished by hearing what God says, speaking it out in the authority of the Spirit. The authority of the Spirit. Matthew 17, 20 says, Ye shall say unto this mountain, Be ye cast into the sea, and it shall happen. Paraphrasing. Now, say, in this one, a strengthened form of Rio, which is the Greek verb meaning to utter. 
The noun form is rhema. In other words, to speak to that mountain. You are to speak to that mountain. Now let's talk about mountains. In Scripture, the word mountain is used figuratively of a kingdom. When you see it in Scripture, it's a figuratively of a kingdom. It also speaks of an obstacle rising up in the path of progress toward revival. So whatever mountain that may be in front of you in revival, we, have, we come clear. Sunday night we come clear what we need. We need unity. I'm teaching. I'm teaching tonight. I have been teaching the last several Wednesdays to try to understand not just getting unity, but what do you do with unity after you have it? It's not a matter of me speaking to your mountains or your obstacles. It's a matter of you speaking to your own obstacles. I said this once before. I always come back. Every time I, I come, I preach in this, in this vein, I think about what, uh, what Aletha Langley said one time about her, her grandma, Sister Wall. And she said that she wasn't, and she was backslidden at the time. And, and she was, kept calling her mother and her grandma and said, Grandma, I got this mess. She was living in Florida. I got this mess, and can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? And finally, Sister Wall got tired of it. And she said, I'm not praying for you another time. You pray for yourself. You hear that? You know, when you're written, now we're not with the Sunday bunch, we're the Wednesday crowd, right? Okay, so when you're, when you're grown up enough, are you all grown up enough? Then you need to pray for yourselves. I need, I need this in my life, I, I've got this, I've got that. Then pray for God to open it up for you. Sunday bunch people don't understand that, but you do. You've got to pass it on so we get more of a... You know, more of a Wednesday crowd. We're trying to win them over. I always think, you know, when you think of different levels, I can't help it. This way I think. I'm kind of dense. I can't help the way I am. But I think of that way. You know, you got Wednesdays. They're the different level group. And I know that there's reasons people don't show up. I, I please understand it. Don't go picking on them. They'll hear this and be mad at me anyway. But I'm saying that I understand there's reasons, but that's just the way I have to perceive things. I believe that anybody who wants teaching has got a higher level. Because you want to know. I don't want you just to appeal to my emotions. I want you to get me there. Only does it through teaching. I want you to get me there. That's what I want. That's what people that, that enjoy teaching, they, they want to get somewhere. They want to, they want to go there. So the, the act of binding and loosing is spirit-motivated and done verbally or spoken out loud. In binding and loosing, we are not telling God what to do, but we are releasing the Word. And you're going to see this in Isaiah 55 and 11. It will be coming up in here. You are, we are releasing the Word or the rhema that God has spoken to us in order for it to accomplish what it has been sent to do. In Isaiah 55 and 11, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void without producing any effect or useless. But it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. That's a wonderful scripture. You ought to write that down out of the Amplified and keep that right in front of you all the time. Whatever God has said. Do you, know, you, you can feel it right now. With the anointing that's in this place, you can receive a rhema right out of this. It can just all of a sudden turn a light on in your brain and you can say, that can work for me. Because God has said it, I feel the anointing on it, and I'm going to believe it. 
Now, in 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says we are labors together with God. He uses human agency to perform. You're going to see the 2 Corinthians 5, 20. He uses human agency to perform his will. It's through us. We are labors together, and it's through that human agency that he performs his will. So we are Christ ambassadors. Look at this. And God making his appeal, as it were, through us. He makes his appeal through us as Christ's personal what? Representatives, I uh, represent. Beg you for His sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. What's he saying here? You, he's he's wanting people to come back to God. Paul is saying, I want you to be reconciled to God because you are ambassadors. You are His personal representatives here on earth. You're the ones that's going to reach in and get captives. You see, the the real preacher is the man who brings a captive through the gates of hell. That's the real preacher. You can learn all you want about preaching, but the real preacher is the guy who reaches in and he has his gates in order. He's a praiser. He worships. He gets, his, he gets everything, his atmosphere all, all right. And, and through his ministry, a representative of Jesus Christ, he brings someone to God. That is the real, that's the real thing. Now, Therefore, he tells us concerning the works of my hands. I love this scripture in Isaiah 45 and 11. It said, therefore, he tells us, 45 and 11, therefore, he tells us concerning the works of my hands. He says, command ye me, 45 and 11, thus says, the, thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and its maker, would you question me about things to come concerning my children and concerning the work of my hands? Would you command me? It's a question. Would you command me? Now, notice this. Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and its maker, would you question me about things to come? He's not being negative here. He said, would you question me? Do you want to know? The Bible says that he won't do anything unless he tells his prophets. Now, in this case, he says, command you. It's not like we're ordering God around. We have a right to speak a command because it's already been loosed in heaven. So it's not commanding God to do anything. It's already done. I just want to bring it to me. I want it to work in me. I want it to work in this church. Do you realize that if all of us would say, God, you said command me, I, I command you, God, give revival. It's not his will that any should perish. So God, give revival to McCormick's Creek Church. What if we all prayed that prayer and believed that prayer? I want to see souls saved. I want to see an evangelistic fervor begin to be stirred up like has never happened before. Command ye me. I know it works. You've got to overcome some of these mental roadblocks that you have. We all have to. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 again, it says, uh, you know, we, we are labors together with him. Now, let's look at this. The, the Greek grammar used in Matthew 16, 19, implies that what we are binding and loosing on earth has already been bound or loosed in heaven, or more specifically, in the mind and the will of God. Our part, which is critically necessary, is to speak out God's word or command so that the word of faith can accomplish which God has ordained it to be. All God wants for us to do is to speak out what he's already commanded in a spirit of authority and faith. 
It all boils down to that. But we have to understand that the only way that it can really loosen in our own hearts is to us to be overwhelmed with His Word that tells us what we can do. And then you hear it come forth uh, out of the mouth of prophecy or out of the mouth of the preacher, if you please, and it becomes the rhema, which all of a sudden you say, yes, it comes on. I can do that. I can see that happen. Different strengths. Let's look at this. Different strengths of demons require different tactics. Different strengths of demons require different tactics. James 4, verse 7. James 4, verse 7. So be subject to God, resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. To set against or resist means to set against to withstand, resist, oppose. Also, we'll verify that in 1 Peter 5, 9. Uh, flee from you. Flee to run away in terror. Now, this is, what, this is what James was telling. He said, these are lesser demons. These are the ones you see. This is what happens. You ever, you ever, you ever got in there and you think you're, you, know, you, you got this devil and you know this devil's coming. He's a lesser demon, but you don't know that. And, but he's going coming against you, when you first, especially when you first get into church. God is good to you. He lets those demons on a little long leash. He's got them all on a leash. So he lets this little lesser one come up to you and sniff around on you. And, and you resist him. You stand firm. And he takes off whining with his tails tucked between his legs. And you think that you are the king of the world. That you have got everything just on your side. That that thing is sleeping. You've got all this authority. You see these young preachers do this all the time. And they walk around and they come to old guys like me. and say, well, see if I was in charge. All these devils will be fleeing from me. And you see, all God has done is let one of them little ones come at you. It's like a chihuahua, you know. You ever seen? I, I told you, I got bit by a chihuahua once. I was walking around with a chihuahua hanging on my nose. That's a truth. He said, what in the world did you have? You know, well, when I was a kid, I did a lot of bad things. But God saved me, thank God. So, <clears throat> run away from terror. Now, let's look at the next one. Mark 16, verse 17. Mark 16, verse 17. Mark 16, verse 17. Mark 16, verse 17. And these attesting signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new languages. Okay? Now, these are the rulers of darkness. Cast out, literally means to eject, throw out, to expel, extract, send away, dismiss, drive out, draw out. Jude 9, Zechariah 3, 2, we're going to talk now. That was of the rulers of darkness. And it says we have the right to drive them out. But let's look at principalities. And uh, Jude 9, I think, is first. Jude 9 or Zechariah, whichever one. But when even... But when even the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, judiciously argued or disputed about the body of Moses, he dared not presume. Now look at this. This is Michael the archangel. He dared not presume to bring an abusive condemnation against him, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. Now go to Zechariah. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Look at this. O oh, Satan, even the Lord who now and habitually chooses Jerusalem, rebuke you. 
Is not this returned captive Joshua, a brand plucked out of the fire? Now look at that. The Lord must rebuke princes. We do not presume to do this ourselves. So when you come against these two other lesser demons, and then all of a sudden you have the rulers of darkness and you have the lesser demons, and you can take care of those. The Bible says you can take care of those. But then you come up against principalities. You may not agree with me, but I believe this with all my heart. You come up against these principalities, and you, you'll see that the Lord must rebuke princes, and we don't do this. Now, an anointing, hear this, an anointing must come where God speaks through you to the prince. That's why preachers go into new cities, and they have a struggle because they can't understand why that prince of that area is not listening to them. That is why a minister has to spend weeks, months, sometimes years in prayer and in fasting until he gets an anointing to speak the mouthpiece of God to that prince of that city. You do not go into a city and think that you are the one-gun gunslinger that's going to take care of it. It's got to be God who anoints you, and He speaks through you to that prince. You know when it, I knew when it happened here. You know when it happens, and you can be so frustrated. You can have prayer meeting after prayer meeting, and, and you can get all the people, and they're all shouting, and they feel God. We all go down, march around the, the, the block, and we bind the principality, but not one person has got the anointing to do it yet. We must live a resisting life. That takes care of the lesser demons. And we minister against demons as a need arises to cast them out. But we wait on God for an anointing to come against the principalities. In Luke 4, Jesus used the spoken word under the anointing of the Spirit to defeat Satan himself. The Bible says it there. That's why we do things that God, if the, if, the, if the Lord anoints us and speaks, and we speak out the name. You ever used the name of Jesus and knew when you used that name that it was right? I mean, you knew. You've used the name before and it never felt it. But all of a sudden this time, you knew something occurred. It's because God had anointed you to use it. <laughs> all right, we can go back. Yeah, the seven sons of Sceva were casting out devils, but they weren't casting out principalities. They were casting out those lesser demons. Because if Michael the archangel has to say, the Lord rebuke you, then how in the world do we expect us to do it without the anointing of God? You have to know, and, and you know, I think it's pure and proper when you feel that anointing, when you feel that, you feel and you know God is coursing through you. You know it. You can say, you don't have to say the Lord rebuke you. You say, Jesus rebuke you. Because the name is what's the power. I mean, I believe they will, they will listen to the Lord rebuke you or God rebuke you. But when you say the name, there's something even that much more powerful about the rebuke. We, have, we presume sometimes way too much. And we, we get frustrated and we think something's wrong with us. And, and we feel like, oh, it didn't work this time. So what am I going to do? You just give up. And you sit down on a pew and you think somebody else has got to do this. No, you didn't spend enough time seeking God to get that anointing. All right, 
Ephesians 6, Paul told us to stand against the devil. This comes through inner strength of the Spirit and the anointing of God. We use the shield of faith, which is the inner strength and protection of the Spirit. We use the sword of the Spirit, which is the anointed word. We pull down gates and walls of strongholds. Look at 2 Corinthians uh, 10, 3 through 6. I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to read it. It's going to be up there. Pull down means to overthrow. Demolition, destruction, done violently. Now, in, in Matthew uh, 11, verse 12, I am going to read that. I've read this once before. It, it talks about the violent, and violent comes from the two root words which speak of life and vitality or a living force. You can go to the Matthew next. Matthew eleven twelve. Matthew eleven twelve. And from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault, and violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. Intense exertion. So we have a violent... It, it, to get the anointing to deal with princes, principalities, you have to exert some of yourself. You have to get, it is simply this, this is the key. We exert ourselves casting out devils that are not there. But we do not exert ourselves into bringing our flesh under control. To bring your flesh under control will get you the anointing to take care of the principalities. But it's the violent that get themselves under control. You ever just got mad at yourself enough to say, I'm tired of being a, a derelict? I'm tired of sitting on the pew and not having anything happen. I want to do this and I want to do that. But you can't take care of the prince that's in your life. I can't deal with this, this spirit that I have. I can't deal with this alcohol addiction. I can't deal with it. I've got the Holy Ghost, but I'm still dealing with this thing. That's where you get violent with you. God's given you everything you can possibly need. I just got to get my doubt. I've got to get my self-respect back. I've got to get my doubt under control. I've got to get my faith up to where it belongs. I've got to get it there. Then things will start to happen. And that, when you have a, a church full of people that are doing that, they can come here on any given night, have a prayer meeting, and a bunch of people can get the anointing and take care of the principalities that's in a city. Oh, glory. I always running out of time. Strongholds. A fortress. Strong defense. To fortify with the idea of holding securely a castle or a walled city. Casting down. Simply a root word for pull down. Strongs mean, uh, says to demolish with violence. To demolish with violence. I'm telling you, folks, I, I, if you've never done it, I have, and I felt it. When you, you, you're is a, there is a violence that can get in you when it comes to spiritual. It's not that you're being mean, that you get violent. You said, I can do this through the power of God. You get violent with yourself. You pull the, all those doubts. You push them aside. You push all those fears away. And all of a sudden you say, this is within my ability to do this. When you say my ability, because God is using me. So it's within my ability to get into the Spirit. It's nothing. Sometimes we, we try to be so humble we miss the, the whole thing. It's not being any less humble to say, I can do this through the power of God. When Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. He said, I can do all things through Christ. You have to get a little violent with yourself. 
Strong's demonstrative violence. Imaginations is reasonings. To define reasoning, the drawing of an inference or a conclusion from known or assumed facts. We reason. We look at things. This is why it won't work for me. This is why our church can't do it. We just don't have enough holy people. We probably never will. It's like saying, I'm going to have kids when I get the money. You never will have kids because you'll never have the money. You never will defeat the principality in the town because you're never going to be holy enough. And then when you say, I'm not holy enough, and you, you know, you're doing your best, and you're doing what you're supposed to do, and you're still not holy enough, then you're, you're, you're saying that God's not holy because it's through His holiness that I operate. Reasonings and thoughts. This reveals a battleground is in the mind. Look at Romans 7.23. Romans 7.23. But I discern in my bodily members, in the sensitive appetites and wills of the flesh, a different law, rule of action, at war against the law of my mind, my reason, and making me a prisoner to the law of sin that dwells in my bodily organs, in the sensitive appetites and the wills, of the flesh. He's talking about it. He finds this. He finds this that, that this is where I, my battle is. That's what Paul was saying. My battle is in the mind. The stronghold of the mind is the pride, the blindness, the fear, the prejudice, the doubts, the unbelief that Satan uses to capture and enslave the world and to paralyze the church. He paralyzes the church. Second Corinthians 4. Three through four. It's just going to come up behind me. It's talking about the gospel that is hidden. It's hidden because our minds are blinded. Captivity, a state of mental or emotional stupor, mental drunkenness, mental dullness in areas of spiritual understanding and discernment. That's what captivity is. You see, you can be in the church. You can do everything right as far as you know, but you can still be mentally dull in spiritual areas. And then because of that, your, your, your understanding, you don't quite understand where you are and, and what's supposed to be going on. Thus, you're constantly going to stay in that same position that you're in now because you are afraid to take any other step. Sometimes you just have to step back from everything that you're doing and get a little bit of spiritual insight on what God really wants to do with you. 2 Timothy 2.26 talks about recovering. That means to awake, return to, or regain soberness. Ephesians 2.2, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience works in the mind. And 2 Corinthians 4.5, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In Matthew 15.18, evil thoughts result in evil acts. The battlefield of the soul is the thought life of the believer. What you think is what you will be. What you put into you is what you're going to think. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Whatever's in abundance is what you're going to talk about all the time. 1 Peter 1.13, gird up the loins of your mind. 2 Corinthians 11.3, Satan's subtlety cannot corrupt your mind unless you don't watch and be sober. Subtlety. He questions God and invites us to question God. When you begin to question God, that is through the subtleness of the devil. 
Put human mind into opposition to the Spirit. That's what subtlety will do. It encourages us to think independently of God. That's what subtlety will do. Appeal to the ability of the human mind to think creatively on its own outside of God's influence and spiritual direction. That's exactly what Satan did to Eve. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, we must be renewed in the spirit of our minds. We have to be renewed. When I received the Holy Ghost, I received the power to renew my mind. I don't have to think that way any longer. Folks, anytime you make a decision, if you've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you've got the power to renew your mind. You may not have done it when you received, initially received the Holy Ghost. You may have received the Holy Ghost 35, 40 years ago, but you can still today renew your mind and decide everything that I am preaching here, teaching here, I'm doing out of the Word of God, and I want to put my mind in order and in action and in agreement with the Word of God. We must learn to use the defense of the armor of God before we will be successful in the midst of battle against his strongholds. Isaiah 28, 5 through 6, Lord shall be for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. Look at this. It should be coming up behind me. The Lord shall be for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. Nehemiah 10, the joy of the Lord is our strength. In the Hebrew, a fortified place, a defense, strength stronghold our strength that's what strength is a fortified place a defense strength stronghold romans 16 17 through 20 god hates division because it hinders the work of his spirit and the victory of his kingdom so when division is dealt with and the church is in agreement sunday night talked about it then god can work we're going to get there we're getting there I've hoped Sunday a lot of us did get there. But now what do we do with it? We're unified. I'm giving you the tools tonight to work with it. I gotta work on my mind. I need to renew my mind. I gotta speak with authority the word of God that's gonna bring revival to my family, to the church, and to me. Access, when this happens, access to God's power is absolutely wide open. Absolutely. His presence is totally manifested. Dominion. Manifested power can be used to bruise, in the Greek, break in pieces under your feet everything that Satan has thrown at you. We can trample on him as a conqueror. Romans 8, 26 through 27, I'm going to read that one, reveals the power of speaking in tongues as a part of spiritual warfare. So too, the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness, for we do not know what prayer to offer nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. And he who searches the hearts of men knows what is in the mind of, of the Holy Spirit, what his intent is, because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints according to and in harmony with God's will. You want to get God's will in your life? Pray in tongues. I don't know what to pray. Pray in tongues. I, I can't stand it when everybody's loud in tongues. Go to the back of the church and pray. There's somebody back there. Go to the bathroom. Somebody in there. Go out in the vestibule. Somebody in there. Get in the baptistry. But do something. 
You get deep enough in the spirit, whatever noises around you doesn't get, it, it won't be there any longer. So what happens? The Spirit up intercedes on our behalf. 1 Corinthians 14 and 4, we are strengthened or we are edified. In Jude 20, we are building up our faith as we pray in the Spirit. In John 10, 10, Jesus said that the thief, Satan, and his kingdom comes to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. In Proverbs 6, 30, 31, the Word commands that the thief who is caught, found out, must restore sevenfold, even to the extent of giving all the substance of his house. If every one of you would catch the devil and what he's trying to do to you, individually you would get seven times more do you understand what that's saying right there i believe that you need to believe that we might get this church we might get this as fellowship hall built if you all catch satan he'd have to restore everything he's taken from you what are you saying robertson i'm saying i'm done are you really no but i'm done i'll pick up i'll pick up in another area next time what's this Oh, a note for me. Oh, that's right. Eldar, bring your mother down here. We'd like to pray for her before she loses. Would she do that? What? The what? And also we're having department head meeting. That would be next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. If some of you other ladies like to come down and gather around her, we're just going to pray that she's going to go. She's going where first? Newark. 